spending the night, I think they should get a free Bible. Well, I think we should make Bibles available, mm-hmm. but I don't know how practical it is to give everyone that comes to the shelter a free Bible. Well, we could buy some of those cheap little, you know, inexpensive kind to give out. You mean the kind that fall apart the first time you crack the binding? No. Why don't we get the Gideons to donate some? That's a great idea. We're I will call them. opening a homeless shelter, not a hotel. Here are your rolls. And here's your hot water, ma'am. We have a great selection of herbal teas if you'd like. Oh, nope, thank you. I brought my own. And you sure you don't want to order anything? Nope, tea and rolls should do it. And this is your soup, sir. Now, can I get you guys anything to drink besides water? Nope, nope, no, we're good, we're good. Fine. Yep, Are we're there good. free refills on the soft drinks? No, sorry. Mm. No thanks, sir. I'd like another basket of rolls, please. Sure. What? I can do that. <clears throat> oh, and some crackers, too. Yes. Yeah. The buttery kind. Okay. But not the whole wheat buttery kind. Okay. And I'm still waiting for that lemon for my water. Okay, I'll get that for you right away. Okay, everyone, back to my Bible idea. You know, uh, we want these people to understand that God loves them. Oh, yes. But I don't think we have to give them a Bible to do that. Mm. How about we leave them some of those little tracks? Ooh, great idea. Yeah. That's not think? a bad idea. Why don't we do this? Why don't we set up an information table at the front of the place? I love that idea. We could have pamphlets, brochures, some tracks when they come in. I'll take care of it. Got it. Thank you. But why don't we do this first? Why don't we pray so uh, Mark here can get started on his suit? <laughs> yes, yes, oh. yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Oh, sorry. Yep, I can do that. Lord, mm-hmm. we just thank you for this opportunity to come together and plan this wonderful Alrighty. outreach for those less fortunate among us. We pray that you bless this food which we are about to receive from your hand. Yes, Lord. You have been so kind to us. Mm, And we pray that we can return that kindness to the world around us. Mm, Yes. Open our eyes, Lord, to those around us who need your help. Mm, Yes. We ask for your glory. Amen. 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 I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. So uh, how about the blankets? We find anything about that? Yes. I am pleased to report that we received over 40 blankets, ah, most great. of them in excellent condition. So I think we can cross that off the list. Isn't it just amazing when the whole church congregation gets behind an effort like this? Absolutely. Hmm. Uh, excuse me. Yes? I specifically asked not to receive a garnish. Mm-hmm. I have a severe pickle allergy. Ooh, I'll take it. I put it on the check. The cook must not have seen it. Well, maybe next time you should write it in capital letters. There's no idea. I'm sorry. You know, it's okay. Sometimes in life, you just got to learn to take the good with the bad. That's what the Bible teaches us. True, Mm -hmm, very true. mm -hmm. Yes, sir. Is there anything else I can get you with your meal? Mm. Mm, That looks really good. Can I get a little bit of that? Sure. Let me cut off a piece for you. Mm. Uh, Excuse me, waitress. Yes? There are water spots on my knife. Would you like me to get you a new one? Please. Yes, sir. Boy, someone woke up on the wrong side of the bed, didn't they? (laughs) Man, remember that come tip time. Oh, yeah. No kidding. You know, I think she needs to earn her 10%. Mm -hmm. 
So we have good news about the blankets. So mm -hmm. what about uh, toys and games for the kids? That was my area, and I am pleased to report we have 20 perfect board games donated and carloads of toys in case, like, some little kids show up or great. something. Great. Oh, wow. Isn't it great what God will do when you step out in faith and do something in his name? Oh, right. right. What is it, dear? What's wrong? I forgot. The food delivery truck is coming at 1.30, and I've got to get to the church to let them in, and I need you guys to help me unload everything. We got to go. We Excuse got to go. me, waitress. Eat up, eat up, eat up. Yes? Uh, we need our checks and uh, three takeout containers. Yes, yes. Four. Quick four. Okay. Uh, we're going to have to eat on the run, guys. Mm. I hope you don't mind if we eat in your car. Mm, that's okay. Okay. Where are the takeout containers? There you go. Is everything okay? No, we just realized we gotta get going. Go, dear. Thank you. Did you leave the check? How much is that? Let me see. Uh, 26.57. I have the special. They didn't pay for my, they didn't charge me for my hot water, right? No. Add up the math. Check the math and see if she did it right. Check the math. You know what? Excuse me. Can we have separate checks? Uh, four of them, please? Three! You know what? We have to go. I'm just going to take care of it for you guys. Oh, thanks, Pam. You're Pam, welcome. Thank you. You're welcome. No I knew problem. I should have ordered something. Oh, wait, look. I have several tracks in my purse right now. This one is perfect for her. I'm going to leave it for our waitress. Oh, that's hey, thoughtful. Very okay, nice no. of you. Come on, yes. guys. Got to go well, right there. Come on, wait, wait, get going, guys. 26 27, 25, 26, 20, 26, 57, with that right on top. I'm on my way, guys. Here are your receipts. Never mind. Great. No tip. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give thee. Surrender your life to God's Son. You'll have a great eternity. Hopefully not with any of you. Well, that's a fun group to serve, huh? I worked as a waiter. You know, we have groups like that. You know what we called them? Losers, right? That sucked the life out of you. Well, my name is Brian Alquist. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and uh, hopefully by the end of the message, it will make sense why I'm dressed in scrubs. But I couldn't help to notice in this drama that these Christians are trying to hit this target of caring for people, but they couldn't even care for the waitress. They totally missed it. Now, how do you guys feel when someone hits a target? How do you feel? If, if, if the, Hawks, the Hawks play today, I'm a Vikings fan, so I don't, you know. The Hawks play today? No, Monday night. Okay, well, see, there you go. Hey, the Vikings will play today. I don't know if they'll win or not, but I love it when Ponder throws a, the ball and someone catches it. I cheer. Yeah, there we go. The other Vikings fan. Let's pray. No. All we have to do is win, what, five games and we beat the record from last year. That's how great Vikings are. Okay. But we, it, we just freak out when someone hits a hard target. 
We just can't help but to cheer. If, I hit, if I'm out golfing with you and I hit a hole in one from 300 yards, are you going to go, I can do that? No way. You'd be like, no way. In fact, if I got just a couple inches from it, you'd go, can you believe you did that? That was amazing. I was uh, over at uh, Doug Scott's house a couple weeks ago, and he was telling me, yeah, I got my rifle out, and I hit, three, I, I hit a target three times. Uh, it was 10 inches. And I was like, oh, that's cool. I could probably get you know, my 30-odd six and hit a target from a couple hundred yards. You know, it's 10 inches. And, and he goes, yeah, yeah, my, my target was one mile plus 75 feet. And I was like, I'm not worthy. <laughs> Unbelievable. Even if he missed it by two inches, I'd go, Doug, come on, you got to work on that, dude. <laughs> no way. When someone is good at hitting a target, we notice that. We notice that. And you guys, mercy is such a simple target. And in this group, this group of Christians, they totally missed it. They had this awesome opportunity to show this waitress mercy and completely blew it. They didn't know what they were doing, but, but again, mercy is just such a simple tool to hit the target of care. I'll, I'll never forget, my, my sister called me up. She goes, oh, Brian, I gotta tell you, we went to a Vikings game. This is back in the 1990s when they won more than 50% of their games. And, um, and she goes, you, you'll never believe they, they had the great Ford giveaway. And so when you go to the Vikings game, they hand you this piece of paper and there's a picture of a, Ford F-150 on it, and at halftime, they drive that truck out in the middle of the field, they roll all the windows down, you make a paper airplane, and you throw it, and if you get it in the window, you win the truck. Yeah, so guess what happens at halftime? There is just 40,000 paper airplanes flying everywhere, and no one is hitting the truck. Well, my dad went to that game, and my dad, there's something you gotta know about my dad, is he, he, he was a missionary's kid, and he grew up in the Himalayas in India. And you know what his favorite pastime was? making paper airplanes and hitting targets at 300 yards. He would just watch them disappear in the distance and try to hit a tree. And so my dad sat there and my sister said he licked his fingers, he asked for a paper clip, he put a paper clip on it, he built a jet engine on it or something, I don't know. <laughs> he, he, I, you know, he would say, he would give me paper airplanes, he'd go, I want you to throw that at the ground. And I'd go, Hoo! and that paper airplane would go, and go up 15 feet in the air. He was amazing at this. And so he just waited for everyone to throw those airplanes, and, and, my, and my dad just threw it. And at first, nobody noticed, because the, 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 there was nothing around. But then all of a sudden, people started talking, because this thing was on a trajectory for this truck. <laughs> and you know what that did? It missed the window by an inch, and it slid across the cab and fell off on the other side. And my, my sister said 50,000 people went crazy. They just, Give him the truck. You know, everybody's like, you deserve it. My dad was like, well, I just wish I had another piece of paper. I think I could hit that. <laughs> we cheer. We cheer when people can hit a, a, a target with a paper airplane, with a ball, with just a simple little tool. And here's the thing. My family, I, my family still talks about that. We have so much fun. But here's the thing. Jesus, Jesus had this simple tool called mercy. This simple little tool. And he was so good at using it. And we see him in scripture hitting his target. And sometimes he misses, but mostly it's because the person moved, you know. <laughs> you know? Uh, but, he, but he's trying, and he's so good at it. And everyone who watched him care for people and speak to them and touch them and heal them and forgive them, everybody 
that was around Jesus knew that, man, he was, he was good. He was good at using that skill, that, simple, school, uh, that simple, simple skill of mercy. In fact, here we are 2,000 years later, and we're still talking about it, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning. So let's pray. Lord, I, I want to thank you for bringing us together. I, I just love these points. I love these people. And I, I want to thank you for your mercy, Jesus. Uh, the mercy you can, you can give us uh, with a smile on your face, with, with joy in your heart. That's such a gift. I want, I want to thank you for that simple act of compassion uh, that can change a life, Lord. You showed us how to do that. You demonstrated it. You did it on the cross. You did it with people you touched. Uh, uh, you did it with people you spoke to. It's, thank you. Thank you for that example. And God, I pray that each of us would leave here today challenged to be merciful. I ask that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, we're in a series called... Uh, Jesus tweets, and how many tweet? Yeah, me neither. Um, <laughs> how about Facebook? Okay, good, yeah, about 10 of us. All right, no. No, t- you know what tweeting is? It's like texting, right? It's texting, and, and uh, Jesus, the point of this series is that Jesus tweets through his word. He uses the Bible uh, to show us very, very important things about our mission here on earth as Christ followers. And his tweets, his statements, his sentences, his commands, they have a profound impact on us personally as well as the rest of the world. So this week's tweet is this. comes out of Mark 9. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Thus the scrubs, get it? Wasn't that clever? I thought it was so interesting but not funny. Okay, we'll just move on. Healthy people don't need a doctor. It's the sick who need some mercy. And, and let's read Matthew 9, 10, uh, 10 through 13. It says this, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, Matthew was a tax collector, by the way, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked, they asked his disciples, hey, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and, and all these losers, all these sinners, all these alcoholics, all these prostitutes, what? What is he doing with them? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. And he's telling this to the teachers of the law, okay? But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. In this passage, Matthew, who's also called the Levi, uh, he is having a party in honor of Jesus. And let me tell you, Matthew's loaded. He's got some money. This guy has got some money. He has a huge house with a portico. Now, a portico means that you have a house kind of the shape, it's kind of, it's kind of shaped like a U, and the front of your house um, kind of points out, and there's this big opening, typically with a gate in front of it. A portico is like a giant patio, and a lot of people believe that he could have fit between 100 and 200 people into that portico. That was his party portico, right? That's where he had his parties, And they didn't just get together. You know, the tax collectors didn't get together and say, hey, let's pray. Heck no. They brought in some musicians. They had wine. And uh, they began to party. So if you went to this party, there'd be food there. There'd be drinks. And it wouldn't be Sprite, if you know what I mean. Right? (laughs) There's music. There's going to be dancing. See? Isn't that good? Now, if you come to the dance class, yeah, anyways. You don't want to know. But our teachers are awesome. Okay? No, there's dancing, there's all sorts of stuff going on here. 
and they're having a good time. They're playing together. They're having a good time. And Matthew uh, goes and he invites some of the other tax collectors who are not liked by the Jews. And if you don't know uh, history from 2,000 years ago, the Romans occupied uh, that part of the world. They, and so what they did is they, brought, they recruited some Jewish people, made them tax collectors, and they said, we will give you a, a, a pretty good-sized cut of the taxes if you go collect them for us. So Matthew made his bucks doing that. So he was wealthy. So he invited some of the other tax collectors, all the other guys that were hated. And then they brought some of their sinful friends, such as prostitutes and some other people, and they just filled his house. But the thing is, is Matthew wanted to invite them because he wanted them to meet this guy. He wanted them to meet this rabbi, this Jewish rabbi, who would actually come to a party. And believe me, that was very uncommon. But there was this guy named Jesus who hung out with sinners who sat next to them <gasps> and would talk to them and even touch them. It was unusual to see a rabbi with disciples at these kind of events. Religious people aren't supposed to be at parties. If any of you are ex-partiers, we used to call them buzzkills. Right? Or like, oh good, the religious guy is here. <laughs> Hide the beer, put away the cigars. Yeah, cigars, right. Yeah. <laughs> religious people don't hang out at parties. And the truth is, partiers aren't supposed to hang out with the religious people, especially 2,000 years ago. If I came walking in, you know, hey, you guys, you know, into some synagogue with a bunch of rabbis, they would help me get stoned. They'd be like, hey, why don't you come out here? And, oh, I touched you. I'm okay. And they would stone you. They'd kill you if you showed up to that. So these people weren't safe to go. You know, if they were sinners, they weren't safe to go to the religious places. They couldn't do that. And, I, and I, to be honest, I guess that's kind of true today still. I mean, how do you feel if, if someone was sitting next to you right now and they're drunk or smell like pot? How'd that make you feel? Been to a party lately? If you're, if you're a conservative Christian? Have you gone to a party where there's lots of drinking and partying? Buzzkill, right? But I think that's still true today. In fact, I, uh, about 12 years ago, I spoke at a Life Center service on a weekend, and uh, I gave this message, and this guy comes up to me, and, and he, he kind of looks at me with that smirk on his face. He goes, hey, do you remember me? And I go, no. And he goes, well, I'm from Minnesota. And I'm like, oh, no. Go Vikings. <laughs> and he goes, last time I saw you, you had a ponytail, round glasses, and you were serving me a beer from the top of your apartment building. Dude, you've changed. <laughs> it's still weird. It's still, it just feels strange. Parties and, 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 and religious stuff, it just doesn't mix. Yet, there was something about Jesus. There was something about Jesus that just made it work. There was something about Jesus that made it okay. And the people that were there, they, they wanted to be around him. He wasn't a buzzkill, right? And I think that's true because, and this is number one on your outline, I think that's true because Jesus intentionally connected with those who were far from God. He knew that these guys weren't going to go to church. They weren't going to, you know, show up hungover at the synagogue, you know? They weren't going to do that. 
The people at this, at this party, I think, really liked Jesus because Jesus said and did, and did things outside of, of the religious box that they were used to. And that just, that just drew them in. They're like, why would this rabbi talk to me? He's sitting next to me. This is really kind of strange. And, and I think Jesus did that. Well, I know Jesus did that because he knew that he could not express mercy without connecting with people in their community, in their setting. He knew he had to do that. And Jesus would ignore the religious customs of keeping your distance. You know, there were rules for rabbis when Jesus walked this earth. There were rules for him that said, you cannot be within 20 feet of those kind of people. And you are going to get in trouble if you get around them. Jesus set those aside. Didn't care about that. He didn't walk in there with this, this religious aura you know, that just made you walk in and made everyone just feel like, oh man, i got to get my crap together because there's a rabbi here. No, I think Jesus would just sit and laugh and have fun and then at the right time, in the right place, in the right way, he would say, hey, you know, I, I've kind of noticed, you know, you're having a good time, but I can tell you're, you know, you're kind of hungry, aren't you? And I'm not talking food. I can tell your heart's kind of empty. I can tell you're, you're hurting, but I, I want to tell you, um, I know how you can have peace. Do you want to hear? Do you want to hear about it? And it worked. Jesus would do that. It worked. And he was amazing at it. He was amazing at it. I, I think it's important to note that the guy, Jesus liked parties. His first miracle was at a party. He has a good time. He, he genuinely enjoys watching us have a good time. You know, Paul wrote in, in Romans 14, he said, life in the Holy Spirit is about righteousness, peace, and joy. Jesus came to give us life to the full. He wants a smile on your face. It doesn't mean life's going to be perfect, but he came so you could have peace. Even at a party, right? He brought that everywhere he went. And Jesus knew that having fun didn't have to equate to some sort of spiritually unhealthy thing like getting drunk or having a sexual free-for-all. Jesus got that. He understood that. He knew that God is the ultimate source of all joy and that God desires that we enjoy our lives and that we have full lives. And Jesus would bring that truth into whatever setting he went into and he would, he would bring it through mercy and through love and through joy and he was skilled at it and people noticed. Do you think those people noticed at the, at the dinner table tonight planning that event? Do you think the waitress noticed? No way. No way. The story in, in Matthew 9 is a great example of how Jesus loves connecting with people who have a desire to really live life to the fullest, but they don't have a clue how to get there. These are people who find themselves just so far from God, and maybe sometimes it's their fault. You know, we've all sinned, we've all fallen short, but other times it's not. There were prostitutes there. And let me tell you, prostitutes in that, in that era was huge in the Greco-Roman culture. Um, if you weren't married or in the right family or you had the right connections, sometimes the only choice you had was that. And you're a victim. Jesus holds this merciful, special place for people who are rejected, lost, weak, confused, marginalized, sick, trapped. He's got a place in his heart for those kind of people. He wants those who, who think this. He wants people who stand, who, who stand over here and think, you know what, I, I'm, I'm too broken. You don't know my past. 
I'm too evil. I'm too weak. There's too much sin on my scorecard. There's too much to, to know the love of God. But oh, I want it. I want it. Boy, when God hears that, when Jesus sees that, he, <laughs> he goes after that person. And he doesn't care where they're at. He doesn't care where they're at. He does this amazing thing. He goes to them. He goes to them. At that party, he sits with these sinners, these broken people. He goes to them. He sits with them in their environment, in their place. Why does he do that? Well, because Jesus is God and God is love and love is deeply relational. By definition, it has to be. If, if, if you are love, you can't be by yourself and go, oh, I can't wait to love someone. No, that's who God is. He is love, and love intentionally connects with those who are far from it. This is why Jesus said that he came to seek and save what was lost. And who's lost? We are. We are. We're broken. Love is the motivation that Jesus uses to mercifully connect with those who perceive themselves to be too far from God. He sees everybody with worth and value, and Jesus wants to spend, he wants to spend eternity with them. He wants them to, to be free, to, to no longer be defined by their sin, but to know Christ, to live in forgiveness, and to be free to live as they truly are. It makes me cry too, I can't. Well, that's one group, the group that's far from God. Another group showed up at this party, and they were the religious people. And they came by, and they peered in through that gate. They were the religious Jewish Pharisees, and they would never step foot in a portico like that. They would never go to one of these parties, because often it's the religious people who don't understand God's relational priority. That's number two in your outline. Religious people just can't understand God's relational priority. And the sketch, we saw that. They have this, this, this goal of helping people, having mercy on people, and they had this great opportunity to do it with a waitress, and they completely missed it. They were blind to it. Well, at this party, the Pharisees apparently get wind that a rabbi is hanging out with sinners. So they come by, and they stand outside that gate, and their arms are crossed, and they are ticked off because they are stunned that Jesus, who is a Jewish teacher, a rabbi, would reject their Jewish standards and hang out with these sinful, broken losers and misfits. And they are ticked. Have you ever sat with people who've blown it? Do you know someone who's made the news? I do. I know people like that. And I hear just awful things. Just, oh, that junkie, that loser. I've sat out in that lobby and I've put heat pack on guys that have come in here who shot up with heroin and missed their vein and it got into their muscle. And I would sit in out there and pray with them and just put a heat pack on them. And you wouldn't believe the things that I hear people say. You guys, God doesn't make junk. Every person, whether they are a drug addict, a member of the Taliban or a person that attends this church. Every person has eternal worth and value. Jesus went to the cross for them and he wants to spend eternity with them. That's how much Jesus loves them. 
I've blown it, you've blown it, we've all fallen short. Jesus set the example of how to do it. In Matthew 9, verses 11 and 12, I want to reread these passages. I just think this is really vivid. So the Pharisees are outside the gates, their arms are crossed, they're ticked off, and they're talking to the disciples, and they say, why does your teacher eat with these tax collectors and these losers, these sinners? And Jesus is probably over here talking to people, and he stops and goes, hey, you. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. It's the sick. And I can just see Peter going, yeah, in your face. Lord, what do you mean by that? I kind of just missed the whole thing. What do you, I... You know he'd do that. You just know it. Well, Jesus is drawing this little word picture. He's saying, hey, Pharisees, listen. These sinners, these sick people, they're messed up, but they know it. They know it. They can't go to you, so I'm coming to them. I'm coming to them. But these religious folks, he's saying, you guys, you have it all figured out. And they're thinking, yeah, that's right, we do. We're not the sick, we're the healthy and well. I mean, look at this. <laughs> I just look it. After all, we're the teachers of Scripture. And if anything is going to reveal how we can live forever, it's going to be God's Word. Hallelujah. <laughs> so these Pharisees, these religious well, they study the do's and don'ts, and, and honestly, they believe that they're nailing it, that they're scoring 100%. But listen to what Jesus says to him, it says to these guys, and I think there's a profound passage. It's in John, John 5, verse 39, 40. He's talking to the Pharisees, and he says, you diligently study scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. You know what he's saying to them? is, hey, you guys... You, you can know the Bible, but you can miss God. I don't think they appreciated that. See, the Pharisees, they weren't looking for a relationship. They were looking for a project. They were looking for a system. They were looking for something that would give them life, that would give them security, that would, that would give them significance, and that would give them glory. And here's what you typically see when you read scripture, in the New Testament especially, but definitely in the Old. You'll see that the religious, the Pharisees, these teachers of the law, you'll see that the sins that they were, they were really good at avoiding, right, they would judge you over, right? They'd say, hey, I see you're drinking some wine there. I don't drink wine. I don't do that at all. I don't touch beer. You're going to hell. <laughs> Have a nice day. Right? That's the Pharisee. They're doing this. And then the sins, the sins they weren't so good at avoiding, right? They just ignored them. They didn't talk about them. They minimized them, or they just acted totally, completely unaware of them. This is why Jesus called these guys, these guys blind guides. Blind guides. I like to, I, I like to, to phrase it as religion blindness. Religion uh, blindness. This is, this is brutal. These are the people that come to you and say, hey, I uh, hate to tell you this, but uh, you're not good enough. You're not. You don't do enough. You need to do more. You know what? You don't have enough faith. That makes me sick. You know why your life's a mess? You need to believe more. That's what your problem is. 
I had some friends, well, they're still my friends. I have these friends who, <laughs> I'm not friends with them anymore. Um, <laughs> they're, they're an amazing couple. I think they're going to rule heaven, to be honest. And they, their oldest son has severe mental retardation. Can't walk, can't communicate. And this, this is the kind of couple that, that will have a crazy life at home with all their children and all this kind of stuff, but they take the time to, uh, to make neighbors food and to invite people to church and to laugh and smile and just, and just engage in life. They live life to the full. They just love the Lord. And when their son uh, was a baby and they first figured out that he had severe um, mental retardation, um, one of their religiously blind friends came over and informed them that their son was that way because they had a hidden sin or they didn't believe enough. And I said, dude, you know what, let me come over, we'll lay hands on them, right? <laughs> you know? Some days I think I'd just be like Peter, where I'm like, hey Jesus, you put away your own sword because I'm just gonna, you know? Oh, it just breaks my heart, it's just, it's just brutal. Religious blindness is such a sad extreme, but you know what, there's a more subtle version of blindness that I think we all struggle with. If you're a Christian, you probably, and I know I struggle with it, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call this uh, comfort blindness. Ah, oh, comfort blindness. You know, we get comfortable with our routines, don't we? Especially our church routines. Do, do, are you sitting in the same spot you always sit in? Okay. What if I was sitting in your spot when you came here this morning? And I was like, hi. You'd be like, hey, are you going to move? <laughs> You know, you like your parking spot. The, the coffee is just perfect, so you got to make sure you get that before it gets down to the bottom few inches when it tastes like some sort of burnt espresso, you know, and you're like, so you get your car, you got to get out there right away, and you get it, so you're 20 minutes early, so you can sit in the middle, not too far back, not too far in the front, because you don't want Kurt to spit on you or cry on you or something. You know? <laughs> it's comfort blindness, and I have to be honest, I, I, I have struggled with this. I have found myself in it, and, and, and when we find ourselves in it, our ability to connect, our ability to, to have mercy, it, it diminishes some. It's not gone, but it gets weak. And I'll give you an example out of my own story. A few years ago, um, I was in my routine here. I, I, went, uh, I went to Starbucks and had my, you know, my, my five bucks coffee. And, and uh, I do a, typically I do counseling or I meet with people before the second service, which I still do, and I love doing that. And I came in that morning to meet with a couple because they needed to you know, get loved on and hear my wisdom. Just love each other. Oh, Pastor Brian, you're amazing. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Glory to me. Oh, I see you didn't get Starbucks. Pfft. So I'm sitting in there, and I'm counseling this couple, and I'm doing stuff, and I get a knock on my window, and our head usher is looking in the window, and it's in the middle of the service, and I'm in a counseling session, and I had a sign on my window, and you know what the sign said? Do not disturb. So I got up, like, oh, hi. What are you doing here, man? So I pop my head out and I say, hey, uh, what's, what's going on? They said, well, hey, um, uh, Pastor Matt said to, uh, or not Matt, it was Jeff back then. It was Jeff, Jeff, Jeff told, you to, told me to come get you. Some guy's not feeling good in the auditorium. I'm like, well, give him some tums, dude. You know, I've, this couple's about to accept Jesus. Do you know what you're doing right now? And he goes, well, no, they're pretty, you need to come with me. Please, just come with me. And I go, okay. And so I, I tell him, well, I'll be back in a few minutes. And I shut the door. And I, I walk in there and I'm thinking, does this guy know who I am? I planted this church with Kurt Bubna. I was the first one to call him Pastor Bubna, okay? You know who I am. 
So I get up there, and I walk into the auditorium. He goes, well, here's the guy. And I go, and his friend's sitting next to him, and she's kind of patting his hand, saying, hey, are you, you know, she's kind of looking at him. And I go, all right, I'll, I'll look at this guy. You know, I used to be a nurse 10 years ago, you know. So I look at him, and the first thing I notice is he's, he's blue. <laughs> now, I might be from Minnesota, but I know Spokenites are not Smurfs, right? <laughs> and so I'm, but he's blue, the guy's blue. And he's not breathing. And so I pushed my hand up into his carotid. There's no pulse. And his pupils are not moving. And everyone is silent, and they're listening to Pastor Nate. And uh, at, at one point, um, I realized what's going on. I'm like, you guys, move, move. And I'm yelling like this. Here, t- uh, turn down just for a second. Move. Can you hear me in the back? Move. You, get the defibrillator. It's a, it's a box. Go over there. Get it. Okay, put me back on now. I don't want to blow up our speakers. Okay. <laughs> I start shouting commands, and, and I ask Nate about that later on. He goes, dude, that was, uh, that, at first, that really bothered me. That offended me. That so, so Nate's going through the comfort thing, too. And the people next to me, and this guy's, you know, and I'm, I grab him. I flip him down onto the chair, you know, to get his legs up. And, and I'm like, move. And they're like, oh, my gosh, Whatever. Is he helping him breathe? No. I t- so we get down, and then at some point, at one point, I, I grab somebody else because we're not getting a pulse, and we put him on the ground, and, and the defibrillator's not here. We don't know. And I'm, I'm just yelling out all these commands, and finally Nate goes, hey, let's pray. You know, and he catches on that that's not good on the good-bad scale. Okay? It was, it, at one point, I had a dude holding the dude's feet like this. How would that feel with your comfort right now? Right? If I, I, was thought, I was thinking about uh, uh, Jeremy using Jeremy and just sticking his feet up in there. He's, what, 6'5". How would you like to be sitting next to him at that point? <laughs> right? Well, the good news is, is he had a reaction to his blood pressure. And what you, you, when you pick up their legs, their blood goes back into their heart. And he woke up and, and he did fine. But, wow, did my comfort bubble get popped. <laughs> and if you were sitting next to this guy, I know for sure yours did. For sure. But this is what happens. Listen, when our routine gets interrupted because of something messy. When you, I'm like, how long did that story take? <laughs> With my uh, Vikings watch. Oh, sorry. <laughs> ADD moment. Okay. When your routine gets interrupted because of something messy, when you find yourself in disbelief, shock, and annoyance, maybe, just maybe you've slipped into that comfort zone into that comfort blindness, where relationship and mercy, that begins to take a second seat. You're more interested in yourself. You know, it's not gone, but, but you're more zoomed in on yourself. You know, if we don't wake up to comfort blindness, I think we can fall into another kind of blindness. And, and this one, this one is very uh, frustrating. I call it consumer blindness. Consumer blindness. You know, when our faith is founded on one question... Um, one particular question, we suffer from consumer blindness. And here's the question. The, uh, or the, the question is this. It's, it's, hey, what's in it for me? I mean, if I'm going to come to East Point, what are you all going to give me? Hmm? Anybody want to share? You know, and, and you can kind of spot these people sometimes because they might be new to the church and they'll come up to the information table and they'll go, hi, how you doing? I'd like a hot cup of coffee and uh, I would like, let's see here, 
I would like a um, short but energetic uh, worship service, please. And um, a three-point message, light on the humor, okay, because I want to be convicted, all right? And um, just a short closing prayer. Is that okay? Can you do that for me? Okay, okay, all right, okay. Oh, oh, and please hold the tithe and offering, okay? <laughs> you just hold that, thanks. And these people from month to month to month, from year to year to year, hop from church to church to church, looking for the next best thing, the next greatest speaker, the next thing that that church can give them, or they're gone. They're just gone. And I have to tell you, they, uh, they lack an otherly focus. I don't know how you can connect when you're hopping from church to church, when you're not part of a community. That's tough. I don't know how you can do that. And one of the other things I think is, listen, McChurch is not going to give them the happy meal that they're trying to find. You know? Do, 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 do. I'm loving it. Not so much, right? Not so much. Look, whether we act like a religious Pharisee or we worship comfort and consumerism, the ultimate fruit of our life is falling short in the area of connection and mercy. And I don't know about you, but I, I, I don't, I, I don't want to fall short in that. I don't. Jesus made relationship a priority. He connected with people. And I believe we have a great chance of avoiding that mistake if we understand and we see that the church is not a health club for saints as much as it is a hospital for sinners. Number three on your outline. We're not supposed to be a health club or a cruise ship, you guys. We are supposed to be a place of healing for the broken, right? Going back to our passage in Matthew, I, I just love how Jesus kind of wraps this up with these guys. Jesus told the Pharisees, right, that it was the sick that needed a doctor, not the healthy. And in, in verse 13, Jesus continues, and he says this. He says, but go and learn what this means. Now that phrase, go and learn what this means, okay, if, if you were to translate that in the Greek, it would be translated into stick this in your pipe and smoke it, okay? <laughs> Jesus quotes uh, Hosea, I think, if I'm remembering right, so these guys are supposed to know this quote. They're the teachers of the law, but Jesus is like, hey, go think about this Bible 101 statement, okay? I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous but sinners. Can I ask you, why, if, if I, when I worked in the hospital for 10 years, why do you think I wore scrubs? Why does anyone, why does anyone, anybody? Not all at once. No, I'm just kidding. Um, you get messy, don't you? I've been splattered with things you don't want to know about, okay? I ran into a room to shock a guy, and I don't know where it came from, but a turd flew through the air and hit me in the forehead. <laughs> Four years of college to experience that. Or in my case, five years of college. <laughs> I was fascinated by small, shiny objects. I'm like, oh, that's, look at the line. Why did I tolerate that? Why would I tolerate that? I would tolerate it because I want to help somebody. I want to help someone. And when you really want to help, when you really want to show mercy, you've got to get up close and personal. There's no shortcut. No shortcut. And there is no way that these Pharisees were going to do a dirty job. Mm-mm. Not going to do it. They, sure, they would sacrifice certain behaviors, 
They would do that. And they would give up stuff out of religious duty. They would do that. Right? They would do that. No problem. As long as it was in that ceremonial law, they could maybe make that work. And they did it to appear clean and holy and awesome to everyone around them. Not because they love God. Not because they love people. And this is what Jesus had to say to them. And believe me, he says more. And this is on Matthew 23. He says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead man's bones and everything unclean. Listen, you guys, religious sacrifice, heartless projects and ceremonies won't cut it with Christ. It just won't cut it. Jesus wants our hearts. He wants to win our hearts. He wants our hearts to look like his heart. And his heart is full of mercy. It's full of mercy and a willingness to reach out to people who are messy. The brother of Jesus said this. I think, I mean, he got, he got Jesus. He understood Jesus. He said, you know what? Real religion is this. It's to look after orphans and widows in their distress. That word look after, those two words, it means to go to. To go and see that person, to visit them, and to relieve whatever anguish they're going through. That's what mercy is. It's a willingness to be kind, to, to, to express compassion to someone who needs it. That's what mercy is. To help each other. Next week, Pastor Matt's going to talk about our values, which are in an acronym of REACH. And uh, the, the H in there is health. Health is one of our goals at East Point. We want you to be healthy. We want you to have a whole life. We want you to have a fullness in your life. That is why we do a lot of restoration ministries. We have things like divorce care. You know, if, if, if you've been married, you've seen the, the statistic. Half marriages fail. So we do divorce care, divorce care for kids, grief share. Um, we do single and parenting because it's hard to be a, a single mom or a single dad. It's tough. It takes work. You need help sometimes. So we run that ministry. We have various addiction groups that meet on a regular basis. We even have a group that gives you a safe place to just come and talk to someone about homosexuality. That's a big thing in our culture right now. We have a safe place where you can come and just talk to someone about that. Health is one of our values. And you know what's amazing, you guys? And I, I think this is awesome. So feel free to clap. <laughs> but we have between 130 and 140 people in these groups. Isn't that awesome? They're coming, and they're, 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 they, they want some healing. They want a safe place. But to be healthy, to be really healthy, you've got to also know where you're at with Jesus. And, and I just want to take a minute to talk to you about that. You see, you can get lots of different kind of help, but when Christ is in your life, Jesus has the ability to bring you past that barrier that just might be kind of tough. Real wholeness Real health comes from just knowing Christ and making a personal decision to follow him as your Lord and Savior. Because everybody, no matter how skilled we are, we're going to hit a wall at some point in life. So what I want to do right now is just take a second. I want to pray with you. And if you're ready this morning, if you've been hearing the story of Jesus over and over again, and you're ready to make a commitment to him, we're going to pray right now. So let's pray. Lord, I pray for people that are here right now who are ready. And I pray that they would just say this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I give you my life because you gave me yours. 
You sacrificed for me. You had mercy on me, even though I was lost and I was broken and I was empty and I was the misfit and I was rejected, but you loved me. So I accept you as my Lord and Savior, so please just come into my life. Make me new from the inside out. I lay it all down. I ask that in the name of Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, if you, if you said that prayer, the Bible says that Jesus doesn't just kind of fix you. He makes your heart new on the inside. He makes you new. That's one of our values, and we want health. But you guys, if we're going to be a hospital at this church, those of us who have experience in feeling the presence of God, those of us who have experienced healing, we have got to be wounded healers. We've got to be wounded healers. So I want, I want to challenge you by giving you something to think about. Let's put that little, pair, little uh, a spectrum up here. Where are you in your Christian faith? On the left, are you more, if we were to draw a line right in the middle of that, are you more on the comfortable side or are you more on the merciful side? Because I have a challenge for those of you who are, who are more on the merciful side this morning. I want you to get involved. And I'm going to give you some specific examples, and here's a few. And these are all, we have sign-ups for these at the Connect, Serve, Grow booth. And I really want you to think about this. First of all, uh, my friends Oscar and Shauna Fuji. What a great couple. I'm going to fall over now. Here we go. Uh, what a great couple. These guys uh, have served in this church for years and years and years in multiple ways. They have three cute, wonderful little kids, the oldest being eight years old, Owen. I love this family. But Shauna has been struggling with cancer for years. And, and she's doing well. She's recently had a surgery that looks really good, and she just had chemotherapy. She's got two more rounds of it in October and in November. Now, one of the reasons I'm, I, I went into nursing wasn't because in the 1980s I thought, you know, I think I want to be a male nurse. <laughs> wasn't so hip back then, I guess. But because my mom had cancer. And I got to take care of her. And I tell you, that changed my life. So I know, when I say I know what they're going through when she's in chemo, I mean it. So here's my challenge to you. Will you have mercy on them? Will you go to that table back there and say, I, I don't know how, maybe I can watch their kids, maybe I can bring them food, I don't know, but I'll help. Will you sign up, put your name down? Will you have mercy on the Fugees? Okay. I mentioned divorce care. We have 60 people in divorce care. A third of them are children. Five years through fifth grade, they're in our divorce care for kids program. And we've got a great curriculum, a wonderful teacher, but we are short help, okay? And you guys, will you have mercy on these kids? Because I can't imagine if what my kids would go through if me and my wife split up. And maybe you came from a family like that, and now you're a grown-up, now you're an adult. Well, here's a chance to help the kids go through some healing. Will you have mercy on those kids, and will you sign up for divorce care for kids to help take care of those kids and love on those kids who are going through some tough times right now? Time and time again, we get a call from people who are underemployed or unemployed who need professional help and professional counseling. So here's a really specific zoomed-in challenge. If you have a psychology degree, if you have a counseling degree, social work degree, I'm asking, would you give one hour a week of free counseling? We will screen, we will make sure these people really don't have resources, but will you come in pro bono and care for them because they need you? They need you. We get, I, can't, I don't even know how many calls. I don't know how many calls we get for that. You could sign up back for that. We'll have a meeting and we'll talk about that, uh, what that looks like more and more. Will you have mercy in Adventureland? Now, 
Listen, Adventureland, uh, uh, you know, we, we, we ebb and flow in our need for volunteers back there, but I know kids um, that, have, <clears throat> that have special needs, kids that are tough to understand, kids that um, struggle because they have forms of autism and stuff like that, but people don't know it. People don't know it. So will you have mercy on them? Because one of those kids belongs to me. But will you sign up? Will you have mercy on them? It's not just, oh great, I gotta serve an adventure and change a diaper. Will you go love on them? Will you give some mercy towards them? If you're hearing all this and you're like, dude, this is just so intense. <laughs> and I just don't know if I can get up close and personal. Then, then you know what? Meet Pastor Tom here 30 minutes before a service right over here by the prayer room and pray for our church. Have mercy on our church. We believe that nothing happens apart from prayer. Meet with Tom. Sign up back there for a pre-service prayer team and pray for East Point. Pray that God does amazing things because we, that prayer is so beautiful. So important. After the service, go and sign up. Do it, you guys. Let's be hospital. And there's endless things. You know, I'm gonna invite the band to come back out, but look, if none of those work for you, I, I wanna challenge you. Go to the website. Talk to a pastor. Find a leader because we wanna help you grow as a healer. And there are countless ways to show mercy. Countless ways to help. You know, our call as a church isn't to be a health club. It's not. It's, it's to be a, a hospital. It's a place that people can come and feel cared for because we do care about what Jesus said about seeking and saving the lost. We care about mercy. And you know what? The truth is, like Jesus, we have a lot of fun doing it. I know I'm having fun when kids have to get taken out of the service because I'm saying poop and stuff like that too much. So I'm, you know, I, I know. But we have fun doing ministry just like Jesus did, so let's do it. I'm gonna invite the ushers to come forward. You guys, we're gonna give as we worship, and then I'll come up and, and just share a couple of, wow, we're so blessed here at East Point. You guys, um, before I pray, I, I just wanna challenge you, really think about what was shared today. Really think about that. Jesus intentionally connects with people who are far from him. Is, is that what you're doing as a wounded healer? Uh, being religious, being self-focused, that kind of thinking just makes us miss God's relational priority. That's really, really true. And lastly, you guys, the church, and that's us. We're the church. So listen, church, let's show mercy. Let's be a place of healing, okay? Let's do it. Let's pray. Father, I, I just want to thank you for East Point. I, I just love listening to our worship. Um, I love our pastors, Lord. I, I love the people that are here. I love the people that just come that need to know you and need to find wholeness and peace by sitting with you and, and laughing and learning about your forgiveness and your love and, and what it means to be new in you. I love all that about our church. So Father, help us to be a merciful church, to reach out to people, to go to them where they are and to love them in your name, Jesus. I, I pray and I, also, I ask all that in your name. Amen. Listen, a couple of things. One, if, if you accepted Christ today during the service, uh, please tell someone, grab a new believer packet. There's some up here, there's, there's some in the back. If you need prayer, come forward. We've got communion on the, on the side. So go, and you guys, be merciful.
okay? God bless you.